What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode on the Burb Pod Network. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, all the way up here in the Canadian Tundra. This episode is brought to you by GoPro and the GoPro GromQuest. What's the GromQuest? Don't worry about it. I'm going to tell you about it. Step number one, go get yourself a GoPro. Step number two, film your Grom or yourself or maybe your buddy Bob or even Troy Dog. Doesn't matter. Go get that footage. Step number three, submit that footage to GromQuest. Step number four, maybe win some awesome prizes and become part of the GoPro team. Submissions to GromQuest must feature an individual under the age of 18. So Slaw Dog, you're probably out of luck, bud. Go to GoPro.com forward slash EN forward slash US forward slash awards to learn more and enter. Now, let's get to the pod. Like I said, I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm about two-thirds of these podcasts, but we've never in our entire history of doing podcasts for the last about four months over at Verb had Casey Cochran on the show. Casey, welcome to the show. Welcome to Verb Boda. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. Uh, I'm For those who are listening to this in audio form, you're going to want to go check out the if this ends up on YouTube because Casey has some of the coolest wallpaper that I've ever seen in, in a young man's room uh dude the, the the room is looking sweet all those number 11s up there on the uh on, on the walls there yeah it's uh it's been a lot of work for these these uh this wallpaper i guess these pictures or these these trophies no doubt man that, like how, do, do you have a count on how many uh, how many uh championships you got up on the wall there i think there's 40 in the room because uh, this wall is pretty full this wall's full and then the, over my bed has some too so i think i think there's a total of 40. Dude, man, that that is—I think you've you've got more championships than I've got motos one, which speaks more volumes to my lack of success on two wheels uh, than anything else. But like before we get into Loretta's twenty twenty three and this last weekend uh, running a number that we've never seen you in before, like, it must have been tough for people to find you out on the track because the sixty six had become so iconic. Let's spin the clocks back a little bit, maybe like find out where that number originated, how your story on two wheels begins. There must have been a day, and um, there are very, probably very few of them in your life, that you didn't race dirt bikes, you didn't have one. Uh, what was that first bike like for you, uh, and how did your dad or your parents introduce you to the sport? Right, so I got my first bike in, I don't know exactly what year, I think it was 2009 Christmas, okay. I think, or maybe 2010 Christmas, one of the two. It was a it was a CRF fifty and I I did my first race on that thing the training wheels and it was at an arena cross and I got stuck in the whoops actually like because okay. <laughs> the training wheels were like stuck yeah. on it and uh, yeah so that was where it all began but I got into it from my um, my grandpa he owns a, a motorcycle dealership okay. and like a and a marine moto and marine basically and. So, yeah, my mom grew up around it, and she was racing a little bit back in the day. So, uh, yeah, my grandpa got me a bike for Christmas that year, and uh, I just loved it from then, I guess, and just had so much fun. Best Christmas gift you can possibly get, uh, a CR50, and that, that, that starts it all, man. Amazingly enough, I think I was 21 when you started racing, which makes me feel extremely old. Um, but, yeah, you're just off to the races right off the hop, man. Uh with the, the the 50 that had training wheels on it, does that technically mean that you started racing quads? I mean, 
I guess you could say that. Yeah, I think you like from now on, that is your story going forward. Is that I, I started with quads. I have a funny story about that too, because okay, I, I rode those training wheels for a minute and because just like getting used to it. Yeah. And I was going down the I was going down our neighborhood one day and I was going like I don't know how many gears those fifties have nowadays, but I, I was probably like third gear wide open. Yeah, all the, the gears. Uh, <laughs> and the axle on the left training wheel came off, or or like in the wheel. So the wheel ended up coming off, and so I was riding it like three wheels, like ripping. And I like got off centered because I've never ridden without training wheels before, and I like died, <laughs> died like on the concrete and like split my head open like pretty bad. And ever since then, I think I stopped using training wheels. Fair enough. Shades of Wes Williams with that injury at the very end there. But uh, yeah, he, he had himself a spill at uh, Loretta's this last year. But like, in so you raced quads and then you're also responsible for why like three wheelers are no longer available. Like th- those Honda three wheelers, Casey Cochran just like goes ass over tea kettle. And now we don't get to have three wheelers anymore. Thanks, bud. Um, too, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're an absolute trailblazer and before your time or maybe even possibly after your time all in the same moment. Um, where did the the 66 come from? You've That's been your calling card from the very beginning. I assume that you're just a huge uh, Mario Lemieux fan, massive hockey fan. Like, it's all, it's the only thing I can imagine. Uh, but wh- where'd that one come from? No, so I was born in uh, June of 2006. So that would be 606. And so... When I first started racing, I was number 606 for the first yeah. uh, couple years until I went to Loretta's for the first time. Then when I went to Loretta's, there were, you obviously can't run a three-digit, so we got 66, and we just ran with it. There, I thought maybe maybe this – you know what? You couldn't you couldn't have been number 606 this year because of uh, Ronnie Stewart. I know. I was going to bring it back, but then I was like, it's, it's taken. And I was, I was kind of mad. Oh, move over, Ronnie. We got we got uh, we got bigger fish to fry. Uh, that's too funny, man. Actually, that, that's actually quite common. Like, I think uh, seven deuce deuce is the same deal. He's the twenty second yep. of, I guess that would be August, July. No, July, July. Yeah. Uh, we're in the eighth month right now. I, I, I'm good at math. <laughs> um. So yeah, you're you're kind of middle of the year as far as uh, birthdays go, and like so many kids, uh, like it almost it's it's better to be born earlier in the year as far as like when your birthday is and whatnot versus who yeah. you're gonna be competing against. Uh, so that doesn't really play into you. Like I, I had a late birthday in November, so I was always like the smaller, younger kid on teams and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, coming up through the ranks, uh, were you a Cobra kid? Uh, once the I I think if I'm not mistaken, I, I remember lots of pictures of you. Uh, on Cobras, ripping it up and knocking down some championships. Yeah, so I won my first championship on a PW at Oak Hill in 2012, I think. Nice. I think it was, or may, maybe it was 13, 2012 or 2013, one of the two. And um, yeah, I won. That was my first title I ever won. And then uh, I was riding a Cobra Junior at the time, and. Yeah, we kind of just had some success on that, just on the mini bikes, I guess. And then, uh, yeah, I got on the Cobra Elite team on uh, Senior 50s. And uh, after that, then just stayed with them all throughout 65s and had some success throughout that uh, whole stint. Yeah, you've had you've had a lot of championships at Loretta's throughout the years, 2013. Uh, and you've basically been a, a Dunlop guy the entire time as well. You've been on the the Dunlop elite squad as well, uh, getting some fresh rubber time and time again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember exactly 
when I got on that team, but it was I was young. I think fifties for sure, and I stayed on it until obviously you're on big bikes, and then you're you're kicked out. You're too big. So fair enough. You're actually one of the only kids that I, I've uh, ran into in the last little while that raced both an eighty-five and a sixty-five at Loretta's in the same year. Of course, uh, like the the ten to eleven class and the nine to eleven classes kind of overlap. Of course, Cobra doesn't make an eighty-five yet. Um, and, uh, so yeah, you're one, you're actually the third kid I've talked to this week that raced Suzuki's during amateurs, uh, Bomir, as well as, uh, Cody Groves. So that goes three for three, which like just speaks volumes to how illustrious that, uh, Suzuki amateur program was for a little bit there. Um, those are some pretty trick bikes you got to, uh, got to enjoy in and around that time. Yeah, they were, they were the team back in the day. I remember like Tomac and, Hell yeah. and, all those guys, they were Aaron really yeah, 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 and uh, cool ceiling. You know, I was, I was excited to uh, be on that team, and it was, it was great for the whole time I was on it. You know, maybe you could argue for a little bit towards the end of the, the time on the Suzuki, we were a little under, uh, performed, I guess, with bike wise, a little under power, I guess, but we made it work and got some some good finishes and I still won some titles on that thing. So it, it got the job done. And I think it, I think it helped with uh, just riding in general, carrying momentum, you know, cause those things, if you're underpowered compared to everyone else, then you got to make it work somehow. Certainly. And I think we'll kind of get into that a little bit, maybe even talking about riding the 125 you were on with Husky, like you're almost overriding that Suzuki. Uh, like you're, you're getting everything you can out of it. You're asking for more, which I think at that level, it's almost a good thing. Like you're to really push a bike to its absolute limits. Um, like obviously com- competitive wise, you don't like getting hauled out of, out of corners, but uh, you're still able to make them uh, look pretty good. And I hope, uh, that you've got uh, you've got one of those sitting in the garage somewhere, all shined up, like race trim, uh, maybe like one of these back in the day. <laughs> my so my grandpa, he actually has all of my like championship bikes or uh, just bikes as I've grown up, and he has a museum in Mississippi where his nice. dealership is. So he has my my PW, my junior, my senior, sixty five, one of the Suzuki's, and then uh, a gas gas as well, and and so on. Dude, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, like you're, you're making my collection of five, uh, five bikes look, uh, miniature, but that that's solid. So like, t- tell me a little bit about like sort of some of the, the cool trips that you got to go on, uh, in throughout your career on eighties and stuff like that. Like you got in a lot of really, op- really cool opportunities, uh, to do some awesome, like really neat races in Texas, the Texas two-step, um, going down, if I'm not mistaken, you even got to go to the, uh, like James Stewart's place, if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong about that. Like dive into a few of those stories for us, if you could. Yeah. So the, the coolest places to I've traveled, I guess, to race. So I went to, um, MX master kids. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not, but it's over France every, every year. And I went to that in 2014 and, uh, 2013, I think those back to back years. And I, I won it. Both of those years, actually, I think I won both both times over there in France, so that was really cool. And um, yeah, that was obviously a great experience racing against some different guys in some different terrain at such a young age. And then I, I raced in Canada um, for the the Transcan. And you went to Walton? No I way! Went to Walton and I Hell raced. Yeah. And it was the year I actually went to France. I think it was twenty. 
No, I, I went to France in 2015. I'm all backwards. So I went to France in 2015, raced there, won there. Then I went to Loretta's on a 50 on a Cobra in 2015 and won there. And then I was going to Canada, and I was like, oh, maybe we can get three different titles in three different countries. And I uh, I know I broke my leg, so that oh. ended pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, that's just another thumbs up for Canadian moto. I'm not too sure if you're familiar, but I am Canadian. Uh, um, yeah, Walt, Walton's on my uh, on my bucket list of races. Uh, to do sometime down the road. Um, you had, you had myself the next year though. I went up and won, I think on the 65. So, Oh, no big deal. Dust off your <laughs> Like who, who uh, what uh, can eat? Like, I guess you're, uh, you're still a couple years younger than McNabb. Who are some of the kids that you remember uh, racing with back then? I was racing uh, Masi Angelo. Okay. He was on a, uh, he was on Kawasaki 65 at the time. Yeah. Those things are a rare breed nowadays. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I don't remember anyone else, honestly. That's the only name that I can think of. Okay, so. okay. Well, like I said, like you've dealt with some some top end talent throughout your amateur career: Hayden Deegan, Parker Ross, uh, Preston Baseflug, uh, Jeremy Bonnie. Like these kids have not only were you racing against them recently in the the B class and and, and the one twenty five classes, but even on a sixty five, like. Um, how neat is it on a, almost an annual basis to see some of these kids that you may only race against them once a year, but at Loretta's it's like almost like a perennial thing. Like whether it was the 65 CC, uh, six, uh, seven to nine class or, um, yeah, like, like super many, you name it. Like, uh, you're in there with, uh, Masselangelo, Hayden, uh, Renfro, you name it, like Powell Thor, like these kids, they're always in there and they're always battling with you and uh you've actually gotten the better of them a few times <laughs> yeah it's it's cool to see because i've been racing all these guys since 50s obviously so we've all grown up together we've all raced together we've all battled our whole lives and the last two years uh well i've, I've been battling with uh hayden my whole life and then the last two years he went to 250s earlier than i did i did that 125 years so we kind of uh separated and, and haven't raced each other since this past weekend so um, yeah, I've been battling these guys my whole life. So I know I can, I can run up front in the, in the nationals once I get a, some time under my belt as well. Certainly. And you, like I said, all right off the rip, we're going to talk about uh, your first national a little bit down the way. Um, but so let's, let's talk a little bit about like some, like your road to Loretta's a couple of those years, like a lot of, uh, race wins. Where were you, where were you usually going to area qualifiers where were you going for a lot of these, like sort of, where, where was your like regional you're absolutely hitting? And was there ever a year where you had an injury where you ended up having to go somewhere kind of off the beaten path to end up still at Loretta's? Right. The, the one that stands out the most would be 2015 Loretta's on a, on a 50. So I, I was at an area qualifier at Wildcat Creek and I was on a 65 and I crashed on this little, um, this little step up thing. It was dumb. It was a dumb crash, but I was, uh, I was laying there about to get up. I was leading the race and, uh, and actually Christian Janet, he came and jumped the jump and I was laying there and like, just, just, he couldn't see me or anything just hit me. And so I broke both my legs, uh, from that incident. And I was eight or nine. I was eight years old at the time, I think. Holy so, uh, yeah, that, and that was at an area qualifier, and I already did one before that. So I was already qualified for a different region. And so we had, I don't know what the exact time was, but I think it was like 
eight weeks to get back on the bike from after breaking my femur and tib fib to be able to race this regional if I wanted to. And so, yeah, I did. My mom and I went to the this uh, swimming pool every day and just rehabbed it every day. And I was able to go to Golden Pines for a youth regional. And uh, I remember actually getting out of our van and I couldn't even like, I was like limping to my bike because I couldn't like really walk. And so I was like holding onto the van, like getting to my bike. And then I went and rode and, uh, and won that regional and then ended up winning Loretta's that year. So that's a pretty, a pretty neat story. That one. You said you sure did like 2015. And like, like just for those at home that are watching or listening, um, wondering just how deep some of these classes are. This is the 51, 51 CC, seven to eight limited 2015. You win the championship with a two, 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 one. Um, yep. but in this class, you have Christian Janik B class, uh, Logan best currently in the B class, uh, Hayden Deegan. He's won outdoor nationals already. Preston Massalangelo, who's from Ontario, uh, Brantford, Ontario, home of uh, Wayne Gretzky, by the way. Uh, he's in this class. Um, oh, and uh, somebody named Daxton Bennick. He went, he was 12th overall, bad for uh, bad third moto. Um, literally, so this is insane. Owen Koval's in this class. Julian Bomir's in this class. Austin Shaper's in this class. Uh, all of which did worse than you. Well, you won the race, so everyone did worse <laughs> than you did. Uh, Jordan Renfro, uh, Jeremy Fapani, Luke Fauser, um, Jace Allred, like th- Enzo Timmerman. Like this is a murderer's row of <laughs> of fifty dudes. Like there's. There's at least 10 like legit guys who either hold serious rides now. Enzo Timmerman's in this, uh, like Landon Pepper, like, dude, and you're on the top of that heap uh, in the 50s. Obviously, each one of those kids had like a different sort of route as to how they got to where they're at now. But uh, we're looking at eight years later and so many of these names still go crazy fast. That's that not only does is that a huge tip of the cap. For, to you for getting that championship win, but uh, just a, a huge vote of confidence for that entire class. Like uh, they always talk about that, like really deep class of like when it was uh, Tomac and Anderson and Barsha and um, Malcolm Stewart's in that mix as well. Like you had a ton of great guys. Like Honestly, I'll put that 50 class up against almost any other one coming through. Like that was pretty solid. And just what, what they were able to achieve afterwards, not only, in that in that time period uh like and you can also let dax know you absolutely waxed him i know i i actually <laughs> i raced against him again in 2017 on 65s and i think i think that might have been a year he went like 1-1 in the 65 class and then his bike blew up in the last motor or something so i kind of got a gift on that one but i did <laughs> i won that title as well against him but dude, i didn't even know that class was that stacked and all those guys were in that thing that i'm still racing today i had no okay. idea yeah, no, I just I just quickly just kind of like scrolled through here and I'm just looking at names of guys who like not only did they, they had success, like they were all in the top five of big classes at the ranch this last year. So um, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the 125 before we get to 2023 Loretta's. We need to talk about like, first of all, your 125 sounds sick, even when you're racing them in some Supercross, which like racing it. Racing a 125 on a super like a super cross track or even an arena cross track, hats off to you. Not easy whatsoever because like the power band is about that wide, uh, and you basically got to be on it nonstop. Um, but I was talking to uh, Kay Johnson about this, someone that you you've raced with a fair bit as well. I think he's also in that class. Um, and at that time, he's from Utah, so he's done some moving around. Um, but uh, like 
how important was it for you to go to Husqvarna or Gas Gas? You kind of stepped off the Gas Gas Super Minis onto the, the Husky 125. The fact that they have a bike that's sort of like a tweener, like a bike that you, if you're not ready to go to uh, 250B or you want to have that extra year, maybe you need to like grow physically or just grow as, as a racer, more mature, more this, more that. Having that 125 to be able to race that last year um, and almost add a year to your your progression and before like kind of just like taking a little little bit off of how quickly you move through the progression because for all intents and purposes if not for that 125 you're more than likely a pro this year for sure so definitely after that that year on the gas gases um, yeah husky approached us with uh, just the amateur one year deal on the 125 and to be honest I I really wanted to go from the the super mini to the 250 uh just like hayden did and um because i was right there with him at, at that point in time we were battling hanging out every race so um when when he went to the 250 i really wanted to go to the 250 and continue that that uh progression but our our only option we had was the 125 we didn't have any offers or deals on 250s so um i didn't really have a choice with the 125 but it ended up working out perfectly for me i mean I had a great year on it and it worked out amazing because I, I wouldn't be the, I wouldn't have the ride I have today if it wasn't for that 125 year, I don't think. So it ended up being great as well as just learning because those things aren't the fastest, obviously. I mean, I think my super mini might have been able to c contend with it, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was a learning experience for sure because you got to keep the momentum up on those things. So bringing that to the 250 definitely helps. Certainly. I love watching the super minis. Like they're, they're the size bike just below, obviously having a full size machine, but power to weight ratio. I think you're right. Like a, like a super juiced up super mini might just be more potent than a 125. Just for the fact that like the 125 is not that much lighter than say a 252 stroke or something along those lines. And they're certainly down on power. Um, and there's only so much you can get out of them really. Um, like, you must have had a lot of fun on super minis. Just like, obviously you were growing, like you're, you're not a, you're not a very physically big guy, but you sort of fit that bike perfectly. Um, and we're able to sort of throw it around the best of your abilities. Like the, I was kind of like a crux of like, you're as strong as you're going to be at that, at that size. And, uh, yeah, you kind of, uh, that, that you, uh, the world is your oyster that year, man. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember going head to head with Deegan at literally every, every single like spring race or minios. I remember, I know Verb has a ton of videos of Cochran versus Deegan battles and those things went <laughs> crazy every time they got posted. We and, get some views. We put that stuff back up on YouTube too, by the way. <laughs> Royalty checks are in the mail. <laughs> I want my cut for those actually. Uh, absolutely. No, we'll be like that. Ha what, what's half a zero again? <laughs> um, no, but. Loretta's was not your year that year though. You it break a leg or something? I ribs and punctured a lung. So. Yeah, I see a, a two and then a bunch of DNFs. So yeah, I went. I had that two in that first moto and actually rode really good. Uh, kind of just like sat behind Hayden the whole time, just pressuring. But I rode good that first moto, and then I pulled the whole shot in the the next moto I had, and I went down and like the third turn went to last, and then ended up landing on somebody going into Storyland and broke like six ribs and punctured a lung. So. That ended my week pretty uh, quickly, for sure. Just another story from Storyland. Apparently, that's why it's not. <laughs> it's called that. Um, 
what what about amateur rivalries? Like I'm sure growing up, you probably heard of like the the stories of Michael Essie and the and Villapoto or Michael Essie and uh like Davy Millsaps or Michael Essie versus anybody else. Uh, or the many other like sort of like th- there was tons of rivalries that existed. I feel like that's a there's a lot less of that now. Like maybe there's just more camaraderie and everyone sort of we're all in this kind of together. Like everyone wants to do well. But like has was there are there any stories from from your career or, or like was there you don't have to name any one specific, but like was there anyone that like kind of gave you some problems or uh, your dad got into it with somebody at the track? I think I feel like you're thinking about something and you don't not sure if you want to tell me, but. <laughs> no, there's one the the one biggest rivalry and i think everyone kind of knows just from the videos and everyone sees it is was just me versus deegan all yeah. all throughout mini bikes and and it was it was never like an off the track rivalry or anything but just battling with each other like pretty hard and and i remember it was 2020 minios i passed him in like the last turn on supercross on a super mini to win that title and we come off the track he's like cussing me out i'm just sitting there like laughing and it was it was it was gnarly like we were kind of we were kind of not friends for a little bit but i haven't i don't talk to him and i haven't raced him in a minute so i mean we'll see how it goes in the in the pro ranks i guess now that we're both here Maybe you'll end up like teammates one day, like uh, Barsha and Eli Tomac, and literally not talk the entire time. Like I think those, those two guys were teammates for like three years, and like I don't like do photo shoots, dealer signings, the whole nine yards. Never spoke to each other, not once. I think that's pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, man, like like on top of that, like you must have gone to some regionals or even like sort of like a race between the the big amateur races, and. I talked, I talked to Dax and Benick about this. And I think it was the first time I had them on the show is that like, it's not pressure or like there is pressure when you go to Loretta's, but the peak pressure is when you go to a race that you're expected to get first and only first. And there's always kids there that like, I'm sure there's a dad there's like that. This is your time to go, like, go beat that kid. Like, like you, you beat him today and that's going to like propel you to like visions of grandeur and all that fun stuff. Was there ever a time where you were at like a, like a, a regional or an area qualifier or even just a regular race and uh, some kids were gunning for you or uh, maybe gave you a little bit extra when they, when you're trying to come through the pack? Dude, the, now that you say that, it is so gnarly that like some guys that you've never heard of or you don't know who they are, but they come out at like their local track or like a local race where they know that they're good and they just have that like confidence, I guess. And it's not a national. They know it's like an area qualifier or something. It doesn't really matter that much. And they're just like ripping like that. I was on super minis in yeah, 2021. And there was some kid at an area qualifier that was like hounding me the whole time. I I think I still ended up winning, but like, I never even heard of him. And then we get to like Loretta's or whatever. And he's like 25th place. It's like, crazy that just i think it's just a confidence thing yeah, like if they know be. that they can be there then they're there but then they get to a race where there's like so many big names and it's like oh now you don't even know that they're there it's it's kind of crazy that you say that because it's so true especially when it's like someone you don't know and they're ripping and you get beat if you get beat by someone that you've never heard of it's kind of like a whoa what's going on certainly no that i think there's tons of that and like for guys like yourself, you roll into Loretta's, it's not your first rodeo. Like there's, it's, and like, you're expected to win there, no different than you're expected to win an area, but like 
you've done all the preparation you're the, the, the eyes are dotted, the T's are crossed. Whereas for those guys, maybe they like, they don't have that same program or yeah, it's not their backyard. Like it was when they went to the, to the regional. Um, and like, I also said, there's probably like, a, like there's more than a few times. I'm sure there's some moto dads that are just like kind of rubbing their hands together. Like, ah, this is the day we take down Cochran. He's in our <laughs> backyard and the whole nine yards, but um, yeah. yeah, that's super interesting to hear, man. Um, so let's talk about this year. 2023 um much like it, it broke my heart and I, like beaker is a fox guy and i all respect to the uh like, i guess he's not a fox guy anymore he did work for fox um but uh all the respect in the world to the guys over at fly they do awesome stuff the 2024 line looks awesome it broke my heart to see you not in fox anymore because you had some sick kits dude it, that was like that there was some good there was some good looks going on and of course that's you're going to be with fly uh as you move forward but um yeah like what, tell, tell me a little bit about rolling into the season changing gear brands uh basically staying on the same motorcycle for all intents and purposes but um yeah like putting some time on the four stroke obviously like breaking all the two stroke fans hearts by making that move it's kind of necessary when heading off to the pros and then preparing for this last year at uh, loretta's which in my opinion, will likely be your last. Yeah, so I, I got a, a long story, I guess, here, because I can talk for a while. But Go for um, it, man. <laughs> my girlfriend's at work, and I'm on the clock for verbs. So, yeah, go for it. Sweet. So, yeah, uh, starting with the whole fox to fly thing. Yeah, I love the, the whole thing I had in, the, in 2022 last year with fox. You know, it was nice. They're always good guys, and... Obviously, it's it's not really my decision to switch gear when when you go on a team. So, but uh, everyone at Fly has been so so cool and so nice, and and their stuff's obviously pretty sick too. The new stuff is super sick. So, honestly, it wasn't too big of a deal for me personally. I mean, obviously, it was sad to to say bye to some family that I've been with for uh, a while. But I think uh, if I ever um, wanted to go back, I'd be welcome back there. So. Oh yes. That's that's the whole deal with that. But now the getting with the four stroke, uh, getting used to that, it was it was definitely a learning experience for me because I got on that thing and I was I was pretty small, maybe like just 120 pounds, like probably not super ready. <laughs> and when I first got on that thing after Loretta's last year, it was a it was a punch in the gut because I I felt good for maybe like two days. And then, um, you know, Kroom, the, yep. the riding park or whatever over here, yeah, yeah. I went there for like my third day on a 250 and, uh, that place is gnarly whooped out. Yeah. And that's I a, was, that's a uh, deep sand track. Like <laughs> yeah. Powder. And, I, and I was just like ripping down a straightaway and just trying to ride it like 125 and it got loose and just yard sailed myself pretty bad. And I actually like compression fractured my back a little bit. I don't know when he, I don't even think I've told anyone this. No one really knows about it. This is breaking kept, news. Yeah, kept it under the radar, and so I was. I, I didn't ride for a few weeks in that period, and then I got back on the bike, and this was when I was gonna do um, Rebel Straight Rhythm because I was gonna do Rebel Straight Rhythm on the 125, and I didn't have. This was last year, so I didn't have a 125 to ride on Supercross or anything. So th- I I got back on the bike before this, and I rode some outdoors on the on the 250. Got comfortable. And we were, we were pretty good, so then I was going to do straight with them, so I wanted to get some Supercross practice, and so I went on, rode some Supercross for the first day, and it was really good. I was riding good, and then the second day on Supercross, it was really the day before 
we left to go out to California for straight rhythm. I crashed in the whoops and I broke my thumb. <laughs> so it was not it was Bro. not a good first few months on the two fifty. And so then yeah, that put me out of straight rhythm. Did they have like so- a cool retro look going on for you? Or was you just gonna run like the team look? I think I was just gonna run the team look because at that point I had just literally they announced my signing when I was going to fly to California. So it would have been the first time I was seen in the whole rock star look and everything. So oh, okay. it would it would have been kinda like a reveal thing. But yeah, I kind of ruined that by crashing, and I, I was upset because that would have been such a cool event to. I'm still upset. In. I'm upset, and I'm just learning about it now. Yeah, so it was rough when we we got on the 250, but and definitely a, a learning curve because that thing's a lot heavier and takes a little bit more of a man to ride than the 125. So yeah, I, uh, I was out for maybe uh, a month and a half for that, and um, then finally got back on the bike and. I didn't get back on the bike till it would have been the end of November around Minio's time. I had two days on the bike before uh, Minio's and we were kind of deciding on if I wanted to race or not. And we eventually said, no, I only have two days on the bike after this injury. So we sat that out and I I got maybe two or three weeks on, um, on uh, outdoors, three weeks on outdoors till about January 1st. And then I rode, I rode Supercross from January or the very basically the end of December to to A two and raced A two. So I had about maybe, two weeks, three <laughs> maybe weeks, two, like maybe two to four weeks on Supercross before Anaheim two, and in total maybe a month and a half on a two fifty after yeah. injuries and everything. And so I didn't have high expectations coming into futures either, man. It that, went quite well though. Yeah, it went, it went pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez! All right. Well, like going forward, if if anyone's worried about uh, uh, Mr. Cochran coming off of injury or with not not much time on the bike, you've set the precedent, my friend. The expectations will be high. Um, but yeah, like, what do you think of the Supercross futures? Like, it, it's it is I, for me. It's interesting to see. I think it's really cool for uh, like to me. Like, I I come from I'm from Canada, so we like every every Christmas there's what's called the world junior hockey championships where it's literally all kids, everyone under the age of 20 that is eligible for the championship from every like team Canada, U S you name it. And that's like basically all Canadians first look at like the next crop of kids. And I I love it because it's like, they're all young. They're all fat. Like they're all great hockey players. Same thing with Supercross futures. They're all around basically the same age. They're about to make that step um what was that program like for you um uh, and i'm sure like honestly having a guy like beaker in your corner to sort of walk you through a lot of those things he has so much experience uh that's got to be a big feather in your cap walking into those situations for sure definitely i know beaker's had a lot of experience in the industry and he's basically a veteran like he probably that. brought that gear that day <laughs> like a hundred that's like guaranteed actually he probably did yeah that's crazy to think about actually yeah. Um, no, the whole futures program is nice though, especially this whole past year being able to ride some supercross under the lights in front of some fans. And even though there were short races, I mean, I don't think I could go much longer anyways, hold my breath too much, really? but, um, no, it was, it was great. I mean, that whole program that they started with, uh, Hymas and DiFrancisco two years ago, whatever, um, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, I'm glad that I'm. I guess young enough to be able to have this because 
it's definitely a good stepping stool to be able to race um, pro supercross. And I'm going to do for sure do some futures this year as well, depending on um, what my schedule looks like and, and how the team wants to play it. So um, hopefully I can come out and maybe, I don't know if they'll let me run the number one, but that'll be, they cool. should, I would, <laughs> I, I'd be running the number one. I, if, and if they didn't, I would just like steal one of those off of your wall. And as you're going out for, for the moto, just like duct tape that thing on there. Yeah. Just tape it know. on. That's awesome. Um, 2022 Loretta's, uh, you almost went perfect. Uh, Logan best got a first moto off of you and Noah Stevens got a uh, first moto off of you, but you were able to get both championships on the one, two, five. Well, that's one of my favorite classes, honestly. Like, I'll tell you why not that you asked. Um, <laughs> but like literally everybody in that class, like hauls ass on a, on a one twenty five, And like, whether you're in first or 15th, all of those kids expect to be up front and it's 20 minutes of just like rev limiter and like, panic revving the crap out of those things it's and like it's it's a long moto on 125 it's honestly really cool to watch yeah that that year uh 2022 loretta's was probably one of the most eventful like good years that i've had there because that first moto uh i don't know if you saw the video or not i posted it on my instagram when i was at loretta's but yeah the first start of the week literally the first moto first start on tuesday that I had, um, I came into like the, the, you hit the right off the start and that left. I, uh, I come in there and I, I hit, um, I think it was me and Steven's hit over that inside roller and I got whiskey and like side saddled my bike off the track into the fence right there. Perfect. And so I was like, Oh wow, we did all this and we're going to throw it away in the first <laughs> two turns. And so I was dead last in that first, uh, I don't know if it was Schoolboy Schoolboy One or One Twenty Five BC. I was dead last, and I came all the way back from twenty seconds down from everyone and got second in that moto. And I've never been so just tired and over it after a moto before. Because I remember going up to the podium after that race, and I was like stumbling. And they gave me a hat. Husky gave me a hat to wear, and I like put it on. And I walked on the podium. I just took it off, and I was standing there. I was like oh my gosh, I'm about to pass out. And I literally, I think I said it in my interview on the podium that I was about to pass out. And I, I thanked like, uh, I wasn't even, I was running pro taper bars at the time. And I think I thanked Renthal or something <laughs> like uh, crazy. I want to thank Cobra, Suzuki, <laughs> Bridgestone. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just like wrong swap. Amped mobile. That was a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was not feeling good after that race, but it, that, that uh, second place ride eventually came back to be the reason how I won that title. So that, that was an eventful one for sure. No, no, no doubt. Taking care of business. Uh, and yeah, like you said, you absolutely crushed uh, the, the Supercross futures this year and that rolled into some success. Uh, also like you, you had some success at Freestone doing really well uh, this last year at, uh, at Loretta's pretty eventful as well. With um, we, you and I went back and forth on the the whole dislocated shoulder thing. I'm the proud owner of 15 dislocations uh, throughout my years. Uh, so yeah, one of them need to be fixed. The other one yet to be fixed. Um, the fact that you, like I, when I heard your shoulder come out, I'm like, ah, oh, he's 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 done for the week. Because like having had to try to compete with a shoulder afterwards, like it's it's not easy whatsoever. Um, but you like 
clearly like you either have way higher pain tolerance than me or it's not that big a deal. What What's the deal with the shoulder and take us through 2023 Loretta's? Yeah. So 23 Loretta's after, after the combine this year at Redbud, uh, after one wanting there, I was, uh, I was coming into Loretta's, you know, I wanted to go six for six cause I've never done that before. So I wanted to be able to come in and win every moto and, uh, I won both, both first motos in uh, 250B and Schoolboy 2. And so we were, we were on track. And then Moto 2 of 250B, yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the, the muddier ones. And, yeah, I just came around a turn and washed the front and hit my uh, shoulder in the wrong, the wrong way. And it just dislocated it, not um, hugely, I guess. It was kind of just a minor dislocation, but yeah. it was enough to where I couldn't get it in myself because I was, like, trying. And uh, so, yeah, I just ran off the side of the track and there was these two like medic guys and they were in like the medic suit and everything. And I'm like screaming at them. I'm like, come on, like do my shoulder. Someone, I'm like, put my shoulder back in. And they're like, uh, sorry, we're not the doctor. We can't do anything. I was like, oh my gosh. And so then I'm like sitting there. Nice costumes. The <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, what's the, Halloween. <laughs> what's the point of being out here? Um, so I was like screaming at anyone in the vicinity. I was like, someone just put my shoulder back and I don't care who you are. Because, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's pretty painful when it's out, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the doctor finally got there out on the track and just, just lifted it up and it went in pretty easily. So after that, it was definitely weak and from just everything stretching, I think. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was, we did everything because I had the, and the next moto the next day and for schoolboy two and so we did everything basically possible except to get myself a new shoulder to be ready for that so we went and got a a shoulder brace i went to the medic there they taped it up gave me like a tortol shot or if that's what it's called i forgot i believe but, it's tortol yeah yeah and uh literally gave me everything but a new shoulder that i could do for that race and it was weak but um the main goal was just to have it not dislocate again because after that happens once if you don't have time to strengthen it, it can happen again easily so that was the main uh worry but yeah i i started that moto that next moto in schoolboy 2 the second moto and i crashed on the start in the first turn and um yeah i was dead last again and so i thought i threw it away already with all the problems we had and no i came back to fifth that race so and that ended up saving the title chances in that one as well because I ended up winning the next moto and winning the title. So, yeah. No was, big deal. It was a gnarly Loretta's, but um, we got through it. Yeah, no doubt. So, for those who don't know, uh, the shoulder joint is the most capable and unstable joint in the human body. Essentially, how the humerus, and there's nothing funny about it, uh connects to your shoulder is basically what's called the labrum which is a, basically like a, a web of tendons and cartilage that sort of wrap around the end of your i'm showing people this on on uh on uh, youtube uh for those at home you'll have to use theater of the mind but essentially it's imagine a baseball with a catcher's mitt over top of it or it's a baseball glove and when you tear your shoulder you basically like you rip a spot between those like you'll get a tear between the fingers of that baseball glove and that's irreparable that's not going to fix itself overnight and honestly it doesn't help it fix itself over time either you know, almost everybody needs if you have a torn labrum it has to be fixed because your labrum is made out of cartilage cartilage doesn't regenerate or heal itself 
Um, and yeah, in order to, if you're, if you're all the muscles around it, you'll like, you'll have a lot of tension and that's why it's so sore because essentially when your shoulder comes out, it's like all the, the muscles around there get stretched because essentially you, the, all, all of the weight of your arm is being suspended by the muscles that connect from your shoulder or through your back. Not a lot of fun. Uh, so that's the pain that you're dealing with. And I had something similar. I heard like the paramedics were on the side of the track and I'm like trying to half wave them down with my dislocated arm. And uh, they're just looking at me like, we're not those guys, dude. We're not those guys. Um, so yeah, I can relate to you on that one. But once the shoulder's back in, like, honestly, it feels pretty good. It's like, it's the biggest, yeah. it's the, like this wash of relief over your body. Like, oh, hell yeah. Put that thing back in. Um, so you were able to still get that championship and get a moto win in the mud. That must've been... Maybe like I think that that must have been your last moto at Loretta's uh, until unless you go back next year. I uh, highly doubt it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're able to to come in clutch. That, that's got to be a good feeling, you know. You know what, man? Like, because there's a lot of pressure that does come along with with having the 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 ride that you have and 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 all the notoriety and stuff like that. Is the, the, there's a constant pressure to deliver, and you were able to do that in the last moto. Yeah, especially you work. You know, you work so hard for for one event as an amateur, I mean, everything basically comes down to this. So yeah, after, after that happened on the side of the track, I was just like, thinking, I was like, Oh, is it good enough to where I'm going to be able to race and finish this out? And I, I was saying to myself, when funny story, actually real quick, but when it happened and I was sitting there on the track, like I was trying to get it in myself. Cause I've done it. I've done it before on, uh, you lift it up or do you pinch it against your arm? I don't even know what I was doing. I have Perfect. no idea. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just trying to move it to get it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. You just kind of. <laughs> I was like just trying to like like pick it up maybe, and um, I, I was like trying to get it in because I was like if I can get it in, like I'm gonna just finish this race because if I can get top ten, I'll may I may have a chance, and <laughs> and once and uh, once I like ran off the track and the doctor got it in, I was like still trying to like go kind of fast. And then I realized I was already a lap down and I was like, oh, whatever. There's no point in going out and risking it. But I found out later that if if I would have continued on, I would have been disqualified from the event, from outside assistance, from the from the doctor putting my shoulder back in. Ooh. It's kind of crazy to think about because yeah, that's I, yeah. Like outside assistance in that way, you wouldn't even think about it. No kidding. You know, like had that doctor not helped you get your shoulder back in, you <laughs> never would have been able to uh, to yeah, and uh, I this last year was my first year at Loretta's, likely to be your last year at Loretta's. Uh, the most rain they've ever seen. You've, I'm sure you've seen some mud motos at Loretta's given over the last ten plus years you've been going. Um, can you attest to that? Is that the most amount of rain that you've seen? Like it was just Groundhog Day of like rain, rinse, rat lather, repeat. Uh, which honestly, like the, some some longer delays probably helped the shoulder a little bit. For sure, I was. I was actually not mad about the delays because it gave me more time. <laughs> but no, I got I got pretty lucky with my races not being too bad. But I I can't remember a time being at Loretta's and waking up three days in a row to just it pouring outside like and we're on delay every single morning. And that that track on the last on Saturday it was I went up that morning after it poured again and it was looking like unrideable. Like I didn't know if they were. It was gonna... a shell of its former self. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 totally thought they were gonna be like, okay, just two moto format. We're not even gonna run third motos, but they went and did it. And when I went out there, 
they had scraped so much dirt off that it was literally just hard pack, and I think there was yeah. dust coming up. And they literally like they pushed everything and they, uh, where the 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 mechanic or the not the mechanics the the photographer stand it was literally like knee deep smook it was it wasn't mud it was like water and mud. like it was just like it flowed like water is crazy uh but yeah like on the track like there was still a little bit like a skim of like wet stuff on top and then it was hard as a rock underneath that must have been super slippery yes yeah, so it was actually actually maybe it helped in my favor with the whole shoulder thing because the track was smooth and flat and yeah because it was so hard packed so it was it wasn't the typical loretta's you think of rough and ruddy like i went back and watched that race and it's literally like just smooth like barely any ruts at all mm -hmm. and it's kind of crazy because i've never raced loretta's like that maybe you see videos of loretta's like 40 years ago and it looks like that like how it did this year but yeah it was definitely definitely a different experience with all the rain Certainly. I think there's one year where Stuart was on uh, 100 or super minis where it was like, yeah, there was a lot of uh, rain, but yeah, this one, like Davy Coombs said it was unprecedented and he's been to all 42 of these things. Um, yeah, that, that was absolutely wild. Did I see you sending that sand roller on during practice on the practice day? Did you send that thing? Cause I don't think I saw anybody else do it. And uh, yeah, that was, that was big and uh, hats off to you. Yeah, the one after the like the long sand sweeper, the left. Yeah, after the sand, yeah. you're like you're up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit that a few times on practice, day, and I think I did it a few times in some of the motos too. Yeah. Nice. How I, like the only the only reason I was doing that though is because I was walking the track with uh with Brownie with Mike Brown on. Uh, he sent been, it too, actually. That you're right. Yeah, it would have been Sunday, and he was like, "I better see you hitting this thing." I hit it every every lap last year in fifty plus. I was like, "All right, dude, we'll see." And then he practiced before me. Uh, that day so i went up and watched and he's over there sending it and i'm like oh here we go now i gotta do it because he's doing it and uh so yeah i went out and practiced and ended up doing it and it's actually it's not as gnarly as it looks to just to say that i guess no actually that jump didn't look nearly as gnarly as the double coming back the other way heading towards the final corner before the finish where like that double you're bas and i've said this a million times people are like a broken record sending it basically the flat like it was like you guys were looking for like the backside of the world's smallest bump in order to, to grease that landing um and it yeah. was like i just hear like the the, the wheels on the 250 have to go every single lap uh i was yeah. impressed and horrified all at the same time i'm sure there's some spoke manufacturers out there that are like where's the love <laughs> um but let's talk let's talk a little bit about working with brownie and, and the whole alden baker program and like i love alden he's one of the uh, first guys that came on the podcast with me about nine years ago um to talk like him and i love talking like physical fitness and the, the physiology of fitness and all that fun stuff it's something that you've been working with i imagine for a good amount of time uh they probably have you on a pretty high calorie diet because you've got to put some weight on uh, how hard is it on the diet side of things, the physical side of things, and not to bag on that program whatsoever, but say a guy like Adam Cincerulo, he said he loved the he loved the work, but he said it like it burnt him out as far as physically, like he just became anemic, and he like that's why he got sick so much. Um, how conscious do you think they are of that? How conscious are you of that? And what do you think of the program? Yeah, I've been doing it for uh, the last. I went there in January of twenty two. Right when I, right when I got on a, a 125, actually. So, I've been there the last two years, and yeah, it's been it's been solid. You know, working with Mike especially because he's he's such a cool dude, such a nice guy. Uh, 
until uh, you're out there training, I guess. And he's, mm. he doesn't take any crap, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's been a good program for sure. And I don't know if it's not as, I mean, not saying it's not gnarly cause it is gnarly, but I don't know if it's not as gnarly as it used to be, but I mean, we're getting to ride our dirt bikes every day and do what we love. So uh, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not too bad. Absolutely, dude. Like uh, sometimes I talk to some guys like I, like I, we talked about this earlier, like I was a full time journeyman bricklayer. That was my occupation. Uh, and if the, if the option is to uh, go for a 50 mile bike ride or go do like three 20 minute motos or three even three thirties, uh, I'll take that over uh, over uh, uh, lifting concrete blocks all day long. Um, but it's cool that you're working with Brownie. Honestly, like the guy is he's salty. The earth guy. He's like. He's super intense. I'm sure that like when things like when like as he gets more upset, he probably becomes more Tennessean. Tennessee, I I've seen him on some. We've been on some road bikes before, and okay, he he uh, he flips a switch sometimes. Like if a car is like coming around a turn and like gets really close to us and like almost hits us, there, there was one day he went off on this lady because she almost hit us, and I was like, "Bro, calm down!" <laughs> and he's just like screaming at her. And uh, so if he gets fired up, he's fired up. Okay. Okay. What's something <laughs> that uh, Casey Cochran still needs to work on? Like what's something that just drives you nuts about yourself? You need to get better at it. Um, like, Hey, we can all improve, man. Like uh, qualifying this last weekend print went pretty good, but uh, it also shows me you got to find eight seconds. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, this, this weekend was a, I mean, I struggled all weekend. I, I'd never really felt great, I guess. And, uh-huh. Except at the beginning of the second moto, I felt all right. I was running that twelve. Which which beginning of the first moto? No, the, the oh, second, second moto. moto. Okay, the second moto. Yeah. yeah. The the beginning of the first moto, I was actually running decently too, around top fifteen, top sixteen, somewhere in there. And then the red flag kind of ruined me. Now that we went back to the starting gate, I was kind of excited. That was for a weird start, right? But then I ended up like being twenty fifth off the start on the second restart, and I got. Yeah. Uh, fumbled on that but then the, the second moto i rode decent the first half and i don't know if it's just like no like didn't have enough calorie intake or or what but i i saw that halfway and i just died <laughs> i'm gonna be honest i i died and no it was a it was a wake-up call i guess and a learning experience because I've, I've never raced a moto that long before yeah. and and those those guys i mean you never i've i've never lined up on a gate with 20 dudes that can all run in the top five if they get a whole shot so i mean yeah the 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 battles are way more intense than anything i've ever ridden in my life yeah and that's something that uh juju bomir uh said to me as well is that like he he like the the length of the moto blew him away just as far like even you're out there it does not like it feels like it's two hours long not 30 minutes and it's the fact that like you make a mistake and you don't have like a half a lap to sort of like recombobulate yourself. Like, no, there's a freight train of dudes coming through. They're going to the front and, uh, and happy to take a position off of you. Um, but yeah, like, like this is the, the qualifying that'll come speed will come like all that fun stuff. And as well as we talked about this like earlier in the show, like no different than that kid who like when you showed up to his local uh, regional, he had all kinds of confidence. He ran with you. That's your level of confidence when you go to Loretta's. Yeah. Like you can't say that you had the same amount of confidence rolling into Bud's Creek than you do at Loretta's. And that at, at basically it, the, the result of that is a 
like one nineteen twenty one for twenty first overall. Yeah, something like that. And and it's it's funny that you say that because in the first moto I was in, I was in sixteenth, and Levi Levi Kitchen is right in front of me, and I'm hmm. sitting here behind him, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna follow. I'm just gonna follow this guy, and we're gonna try and make our way towards the front. This guy won a moto last yeah. week. We're latch on like, to him. Now I'm sitting right behind him, like running with him, and you don't think about how, okay, I just need to pass this guy. Like it's a random guy. It's it's a guy who just got second overall the weekend before, and now he's in 15th place right in front of me. And and having to think about uh, someone you just watched win a race and having to pass them like that, you don't even think about that. Like just you, it was a really a learning experience by. Whenever you're in these pro races, you can't you can't look at the back of the jerseys of who you're racing against. You just got to think about, okay, how can I pass this person and move forward, no matter what who it is or what they've done. So, yeah, no, like two weeks ago, you're in the autograph line at Unadilla, being like, "Hey, Levi, <laughs> like really a big man," yeah. and then like a week later, you're like, "I gotta put you in the cheap seats. That's kind of <laughs> weird." Yeah. Uh, and like, and, and you should have, but no, that like, uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, how, do you even remember signing your first autograph or like, is that like predate Casey Cochran's memory? Because yeah, I'm sure you've been scribbling on stuff and it's actually, it'd be funny to see some of those original ones. Cause I have a Jaden smart inter, uh, autograph somewhere around here and he like, it looks like he wrote it like, <laughs> but yeah. Someone sent me a picture actually, like it was literally like a week ago, I think. Yeah. And it was one of my jerseys um on sixty fives then that I like wrote my full name on as like my signature. It says like nice. my full name and number. Yeah. And uh yeah, it looked like I wrote that with like my pinky or something. Perfect. <laughs> and I don't even remember signing that jersey, but it was definitely me. That's awesome. No, that's hilarious. Uh like that that that'll morph and I'm I'm like now do you have it a little like like it sounds vain as all hell. But like, do you sit yourself down and like figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? Because, no offense, but you're going to be you're going to have that question asked to you until no one cares anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it was kind of hard, like coming up with something that you can replicate every single time. Yeah, and do it the same way every single time. Yeah, 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 yeah people yeah, are going to sell sure. that stuff on on eBay. <laughs> it's got to look so, authentic. <laughs> I, I came up with something like kind of just. It's like the beginning of my first name and then kind of just like scribble out the rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that's what I've been doing. I might change it up a little bit. I almost want to just go to like CC 66 for a little bit, but we'll see. Maybe I'll change it up. So if my autograph or signature gets changed, then I'm still just figuring it out, I guess. <laughs> I like it. So first Supercross I ever went to was Minneapolis 04. You, I don't even know if you were born yet. Please don't. Yeah, you weren't born yet. Damn it. Nope. <laughs> uh, but, okay, Stu's on the – he's on a 125, number 259 back then. The following year in 05, he raced with 259, but on the 250. But that year, later on that year in December, he rolled into town with, like, the World Supercross back when they used to do, like, Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, but that was, like, his, his emergence of running number seven. But I had like I had brought him a poster. It was like a James Stewart 259, like 252 stroke poster for him to sign because they were doing like a dealer signing or something like that. And I love he knew to write 259 on there, not seven. Because he was already seven and he'd been signing seven all day. 
And he sees this two-stroke poster come out, and he wrote two. He did the 259 on there, and I was like, yeah. It was. Oh. It's funny you say that because this how this weekend I was running 790, which was. Oh, you're just different. running 66s everywhere. <laughs> Something that I've never done. So the first, the first person that actually where does 790 come from? Okay, I can actually say that first. So it's funny. Um, you know, Husky showed me all the numbers that were available when we uh-huh. figured out we were going to do this, and there was like three numbers that had 66 in them that weren't taken. And here, I can actually pull it up, but it doesn't really matter. It was. Like I really six, hope that 666 was already taken. It was taken. So- yeah, yes. someone's got to have that, and shame Someone on them. Someone had it. Here, let me let me actually find it real quick. I have it right here of, of what was taken. Hold okay. on. Or, or what was available. Give me a sec. The available numbers that had 66 <laughs> in them. I'm trying and to it, think. It like, was it's three not... numbers that I didn't want. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it was, it was 663, 665, and 668. And none of those, those... are good. Those were the three that were available, and I was like, I don't want to run something that starts with yeah. 66. I would want it to be at the end. Yeah, like, nothing says run... be practiced like 663. <laughs> yeah, nothing. nothing <laughs> <says>. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, oh, what am I going to run? And um, my mechanic, he used to ride back in the day, and so his number was 790. And so he was like, like jokingly, he was like, oh, you should run 790. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so, yeah, we just literally checked and saw if it was available, and it is. And it's funny because he has he has 790 tattooed on his back. So, dude, that's cool. That, that, that would be cool for him though to yeah, see his simple. number underneath the tent, and he's working on that bike. That is actually a really yeah. cool thing you did. Yeah, it was it was cool for him, and, and he gets to experience that as well. So I was I was happy to do it. It's a good looking number. So I mean, I still got to decide if I want to run it next year or if it's just right. these rounds. So. Well, we already determined that you're going to run number one in Supercross Futures. And then, <laughs> and then honestly, I, I, I don't know what kind of like, I, I will text Ronnie Stewart at the end of this and be like, dude, give up the digit. How much do I have to pay you? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe uh, so he can stop riding those goddamn Suzuki's. Uh, <laughs> I guess he's on gas gases now. But anyway, yeah, no, you need to, you, that, that text message needs to be sent. Uh, yeah, if, if Beaker does any for, anything for you in the offseason, he's like, the, the team deal is done. Like, he doesn't have anything else to do. He needs to t- call up Ronnie Stewart and, and make that happen. Uh, Casey, it's been it's been just over an hour of us chit-chatting back and forth. This has been absolutely amazing. You're a great interview. We found that out today. Um, yeah, like, uh, I know you got some people to thank. I know um, we're, we're looking forward to seeing more of you in the future. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy we got to get this down and sit down together and have a chat. Definitely. You've been elusive, by the way. Like We've also been ships passing in the night. I'm like, hey, I'll text you tomorrow. And then I don't text you for three weeks. Um, and then <laughs> vice versa and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're both bad communicators, but we got this done. I'm the worst. I'll not check my Instagram for like two days. My messages just let them build up. And I'm like, okay. I got to check them now. <laughs> yeah. And you're not getting back to me. Cause you just got like 50, 60 DMS from like, <laughs> like girls, like no tomorrow. Just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just dealing with all that. that. That'll only get worse uh, over time. But uh, yeah, dude, solid interview. Lots of fun. Uh, you have yourself a great rest of your night. Sound good. You too. Have a good one. And there you have it. Our interview with Casey Cochran here on the verb pod network. Hopefully you enjoyed it. 
Check us out online, verbmoto.com. Check us out on all forms of social media, and especially check us out on YouTube where uh, we're putting up great content every single day. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Enter the Grom Quest, why don't you? And just have yourself a good one.